Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're currently listening to the free version of Let Me Talk. If you want longer ad-free episodes, even earlier, head to lmtpod.com to find out how you subscribe. Let me talk! Hello and welcome to Let Me Talk Details. This is a respite from the weekly whirlwind of top flight football. This is a space to break down the big picture topics and get into the details away from the game-by-game analysis. I'm David Mooney. As ever, the Athletic City correspondent Sam Lee is alongside me. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. Good, good. We've got a guest today. We have. We have got former City, Everton, England midfielder Izzy Christensen and TV pundit now as well. (laughs) Very good to be here, boys. Let Me Talk Details is a platform for you to get involved as well. We'd love to hear from you, so email hello at lmtpod.com if you've got any questions, thoughts or ponderings about City or football in general. I thought, Sam, Mm. since we've got uh, a brand new guest for this show, uh, we'd talk about the transition into punditry um, because we've now got two guests on the show who have had professional careers and moved into TV work and radio work. Um, Is is it easy? Is it easy? Um, Yes and no. Yes being you get to talk about football, which is what I love doing. Um, The transition's been different let's say. Um, I subconsciously have actually been working on a media career since 2019. It was only brought to my attention recently that you've actually been doing this for four years, (laughs) but while still playing, which is the weird thing. Um, So I've been doing a lot of radio work, kind of gained my, I suppose, eye for broadcasting via Radio 5 Live which has been fantastic, still working for them at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's been weird. I think what goes into live TV production is you can't even explain the detail and the depth. And I actually had a, a training day on Monday this week and the stuff which I learned about analysis. So if, if you're a pundit, right, and you make a point about a player, for example, let's say Jack Grealish, Okay, just for example purposes. If you make a point about his wide play or his forward play, the analysis team or the production team at the studio in the gallery can create a graphic as quickly as a few seconds that backs up your point 
on Jack Grealish's forward play. Let's say the amount of assists he's got. Okay, let's say he's assisting more this season. That's how quickly... So that's not pre-prepared? That's not pre-prepared. It's pre-prepared for the pre-match build-up. Yeah. So in that hour you normally have to talk about a game, we highlight, um, you know, we get to choose sometimes... Kind of who you want to who, highlight. Who we want what, to highlight, yeah. what's topical. We know with news and with football, things can change overnight and things can change very quickly. But generally speaking, you get to manipulate the pre-match. But then obviously during the game anything can happen. That's what is great about football and we just get to talk about it. But the transition has been interesting. It's been smooth, but um, yeah, it's also really busy as well. It's yeah. crazy the amount of work that goes into preparing for, for a game. But What is it? it? What, what? How much do you do? And in terms of like the detail you were saying, yeah. saying you can't even describe it, but like... But yeah. like you can't, because obviously you can't just turn up and talk because... Like, that's what we do. Well, that's, well, what, that's, that's, that's what we do. And, it, and, it, and I think it shows sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the amount of work is, number one, is staying across all football. So I work across Sky's platforms with men and women's football. So I'm across everything. So I observe, watch, analyse every single Premier League game every weekend. There isn't anything in my contract or remit as such to say you have to, you do, have to that. do that. But I want to. Yeah, I don't to. think a lot of people would do that. Do you not think? No. Or maybe I'm a bit overboard with it. No, no. I maybe think, I'm overworked. Well, no, I think it's good. <laughs> no, I, th I think it's good. And I think some people, you could possibly tell. How many times? They just take it take yeah. it for granted and you, you can talk about football. I've, I've done it. You know, you, we've worked on shows before. Sometimes I'm going to that well-prepared. Sometimes it's like you just trust I'm your ability. Really. To, but then you yeah. just think you can make you can make a generic point about football but and apply it to Aston Villa if you had to. How many times... As I mean, me as a City fan watching coverage of City, how many times do you watch it and go, you've not watched City recently? Yeah, yeah Because yeah. you've not seen that. Like, I can see that this is a pattern that keeps happening. But and I, you've I, not seen I remember that. speaking to Nadam, and Nadam was saying, I think he was talking about Karen Bardsley. And he was saying, she does like an unbelievable amount of research. It's probably very similar to yourself. But like, he's worked with plenty of other like male footballers who just like, they'll see what they see, they'll see some highlights, and then you just turn up, earn the money, and go home. So I don't know if it's like a thing with women footballers mm. in particular yeah. or, or just being prepared and I don't know maybe it feels like I don't know do you feel like you have to work harder in that space I don't know or maybe yeah. maybe it's just how you are and you want to be prepared I had, had this conversation with my agent the other day actually and they she was speaking to Kelly Cates because Kelly was saying some very complimentary things about me I've not worked with Kelly before I've got loads of respect for her and she said that Izzy always tells me stuff which I don't know about football mm -hmm. and that probably is because the depth of preparation that I do but I, there is a wider stigma that female pundits or coming into, you know, media have to or feel obliged to prepare more mm. because there's a bigger space to be tripped up. Yeah. But I don't really see it that way. I see the analysis and prep, A, as part of my job now, which is to know as much as I can know and to be able to also back up a point. For example, like I was saying about, let's say, Grealish's transition in year one at Man City when he signed, he, he wasn't the player that, we thought that Man City had signed year two, bang, he comes you to see life. what it is, yeah. We see what he's doing. So then if you compare all round Grealish's statistics, you then have a point to make around it and analysis and stats can back that up and then your point can be more proven. And like you say, it's it's not just watching City three weeks ago to speak about them tonight, for example. It's, it's seen the patterns. It's that seen develop. the patterns that evolve, player form. And the thing about being a pundit, let's speak about Man City in particular, is because they are so good, what else can you bring to your punditry mm -hmm. that brings City 
gives them the credit they deserve because people who aren't City fans will be like, I am sick of hearing about Man City being so good. Mm. But we as pundits, we're like, they are so good. But how do we make it more interesting for people to listen to? Because Would, would you watch that amount of football anyway? Yes. So, so per- it's not really preparation, is it? It's just kind of... I watch the football every single evening, whatever's on. Yeah. Even if it's non-English leagues, I watch the Bundesliga, I watch La Liga, women's football, men's football, whatever. But um, when I was younger, really young, grew up in Macclesfield, and in the morning before school, I used to put Sky Sports News on Mm. and eat my cereal in front of the TV. And when I come home from school and put Sky Sports News on, have my afternoon snack in front of the TV, right, before I went to football training or whatever. And... My mum used to come in and say to me, you do realise Sky Sports News is on repeat (laughs) because you've been there for a few hours now. What else have you learned? And I would look and watch. I'd watch it on repeat, A, because I was interested. I loved it. And B, I was looking out for more detail. Yeah, you said you've been subconsciously doing media since 2019. You've been doing it for like forever. (laughs) Since a child, yeah. Yeah. And my family, you know, they used to say to me like, you will be the next Gabby Logan or Claire Bull or whatever. And they, they're presenters, I'm not a presenter. But I used to sort of like think, okay, like I, I wouldn't necessarily say this has been an aspiration of mine to do what I'm doing today, but maybe it's always been, it was always yeah, destined that like I was going to go this way. But I've also had a football career out of it as well, being in love with the game, which mm. I think, yeah, I guess it's funny how things turn out in the end. And one thing I've noticed from seeing you on Sky a few times, especially so when I was in Australia and watched that Burnley game, I managed to get like a Sky stream. It seems like you were trying to push like a tactical element sometimes, but it doesn't always get picked up on. And like, is that, how, how have you found that? Like, is that like a Sky thing? Is it? I think it's just a TV thing, is it? Like there's not there's, too there's much just no time. time yeah. into that. That, that's the thing about TV versus radio, for example, or a podcast. Like radio podcasts, you get to speak much more in depth about things that you see. Obviously on TV, you've got the pictures to go with it. But you are limited. You have a producer in your ear, in an earpiece, telling you to quickly make your point or hurry up or give you a countdown from 10. So while you're listening to that, this is probably intricacies of what I found most difficult about the job so far is that you're on a time limit, especially halftime, like halftime Burnley Man City opening game of the season. We were analysing Harlan's goal and me and Gary Neville had a a difference of opinion around the goal. And then there was also that incident at halftime with Pep Guardiola and, Mm. and Harlan and... It looked like people were saying Pep was doing it for the cameras. I was saying he's demanding more from him in that moment, you know, and that's what is great about football. It divides opinion. But it's getting that point across. And I guess the reason that I have been employed by Sky is I'm told because of my detail Mm. and the depth of analysis. The challenge for me now is to bring that to Joe Bloggs at home, sat on his sofa in Scunthorpe watching the games, to... (laughs) To, to understand what I'm saying without me being too complicated. Mm. And I guess that's, for me, a challenge to then simplify it. So Into I'm like now, 20 seconds. I'm again. now trying to speak about football as if I'm talking to my granny mm. on there, but whilst highlighting a tactical point of Haaland's movement off the back four to receive it off Edison. It's like, how do you... Yeah, that is yeah. difficult. How so, do you do that? I mean, it's been a few weeks now since that first game. Have you like, developed... With that trick, do you think? Yeah, so we it's the same as playing. I prepare for a punditry appearance like I play. It's... You know, you've got to be ready mentally and physically almost to, to be ready to go. And um, I get feedback from my boss's producers 
good and bad um, areas to improve on. I've been sent clips to look at to go through and that actually one I've just used there, the Edison to Haaland, which we've seen Manchester City fans will know that it sometimes becomes an option when Edison steps out of the 18-yard box to play mm. as a centre-back. He then has the option or the opposition have the option, do we press Edison? Yes or no? You don't You don't press Edison and he'll hold on to the ball. At some point, someone's got to bite and someone's got to press him. Someone goes out and presses him They've either got an overload because they're using the 11 versus 10 because I guarantee the Burnley keeper's not involved in the press. And then it's like, well, he can fizz the ball into Haaland. Mm. And it's that rapport between Edison and Haaland to know that that's the moment when he comes to life. Yeah. Yeah. So bringing that to life, I guess, is the challenge. But those are the bits of football which I see. You Um, did it well then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Got to stop watching it. It was just over 20 seconds, though. So, oh, right. uh, yeah. yeah. So, sorry about that. I'll send that. you a clip later on. Yeah. Uh, is your granny not into football? She, do you know what? Since me joining Sky Sports, she's bought a subscription. Oh, wow. That's good. <laughs> I like that. I think she went on the phone to them. And I, I guarantee she said to them, My daughter, my granddaughter now works for Sky. Can you give me a deal? <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Can you, watch, can you watch football when you're not working and not analyze it? Or do you just automatically analyse it? No, cannot. Do I don't it. think you can. Once you understand how it how it works. how it works and what's going on, I don't think you could switch it off. You can't because if I'm at home watching, um, let's say Crystal Palace v Manchester United, Carabao Cup midweek, I'm going. Well, I'm no on my schedule. I'm working on a United game in two weeks' time. So I need to bank this. I'm looking at trends. I'm looking at players. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. then you're like, okay, I can refer to that in two weeks' time if needed. So you can't switch off from it. That's the that's the thing as well, isn't it? Because think about when I've done TV in the past and on the occasions when it's like, I know that I can make like a general point and get through and like the producer will be like, oh yeah, good show or whatever. But I'm like, if I was like a Villa fan watching this, that this guy's not really telling me anything that I, don't that really I didn't know. know or like he just, he's not even tapping into anything that like I've noticed. So you do need to have that depth of knowledge and if you do want to do it properly, you can't ever yeah. really switch off. And I think with the women's side of things, me going into this, new role one of the aims for me on the, on the women's side of football is to take WSL coverage to the next level now I'm talking now we're going to be I was trained upon the Monday night football touchscreen board the other day so we're now ready to use that to explore trends in women's football as well which is exactly where the game is in my opinion it deserves and needs that level of coverage. fans know that Alessi Russo is having a good game but why is she having a good game I can show you on the touchscreen it's like you just got to bring something to life Question for you, Sam, mm. from me. How much do journalists use or hang on to what pundits say? Oh, ma- massive. It's massive. So you're essentially doing what I do with, or we do with football, but you're doing it to the build-up and the half-time. Well, it's more, it's in terms of like the power of shaping a narrative. So even like as an idea, my editor suggested to me the other day, he was, oh, I guess I think it was Matt today the other night. They, they said that Alvarez was playing like De Bruyne. I was like, I need to see that. And he was like, oh, they also talked about it on on radio on Monday, which I, I presume would have been Monday Night Club. I'm like, is he playing like De Bruyne? Like, nobody plays like De Bruyne. But like, nobody plays like Alvarez, you know? Yeah. It's like Guardiola says, like, there's no twins in football, like everyone's the same. But it's that kind of thing. It's like, if that gets said in the media, then it, that becomes then... The narrative. The thing that we latch onto. I, I always say this all the time, like, once... Like if Guardiola gives us like a crumb from the table or something. So he said, 
he explained the Sheffield United game. Do you remember the Sheffield United game when mm-hmm. City played really well, but like it was quite close. And he said after they went one nil up, they kind of stopped pushing with the intensity to score the second, and that was their problem. But I was like, once he'd said that, like a few weeks later, I was like, oh, what was their problem against Nottingham Forest when they went two nil up? Did they do the same thing? But that's just me applying what well one example of what he's already that said. we know. Yeah. So it's like, so it's either whether the managers say something, do we over apply it? when there's a million other things that it could be, or more likely it's what the pundits... I think I think you'll see it, especially when it's Man United. And if you've got Gary Neville, Paul Scholes, Roy Keane or something saying something about United, that will be like a new story in itself. But then the people who write about Man United have got to like analyse it as I say, is this true? Like these are what these guys on TV are saying. Was that the kind of thing you meant? Like in, in terms of what we pay attention to for yeah, the pundits? Without, I think without so. yeah. Yeah, that's I think I, I think it is that because it's like, well, these guys used to play, they'd know. But I think it's more... I, I always look well, at it. Well, in fact, no, because I'll tell you what, I've used it a lot um, in terms of City with Carragher. You know, do you remember when it was after the Spurs game in like, February and City lost? And it was when Carragher said, Haaland may have chosen the wrong club. And that was the headline that all the City fans, they still use that now to kind of attack Carragher. But everything Carragher actually said made sense. He was saying at Dortmund, you know, they counter-attack and City don't really do that. They keep the ball. And up until that point, that was absolutely true. Obviously, after that, they were a bit more of a threat on the break. But everything he said was fine. But then that one headline was Haaland's chosen the wrong club. It was the big game for Sky on the Sunday. City had lost. Haaland hadn't touched the ball. He didn't look particularly good. City didn't look particularly good. It looked like at that point, you think, they're not winning the league from here. And that was the big thing. And that's, that is a headline that sticks. And then I, I've used that a lot. But I, I've always said... Carragher's overall point was fine, but this is the one that... That's the bit that... And, that, and yeah. you can use that to highlight the fact that up until that point, it wasn't like Haaland didn't fit in because he was, he'd was he already scored like yeah. 30-odd goals by then. But it was after that where things really clicked. And those kind of things they do, even with City, but normally it's more like United's the big example, isn't it? Like if United just, lose, you like... We had a barbecue money the other week, didn't we, when, when they lost to Arsenal? And it was like, well, I'll settle down then because they'll have all the lads in the studio. They'll all be arguing. They'll all be saying, this is Manchester United. And it's just, that's more important or entertaining than the game sometimes for a lot of people. And also there's another side of it. Bit of a tangent. They had a, there was a Champions League game recently. I think it was United Bayern. And they had like a, a live screening at Adidas for like, I don't know if it was like influencers or TikTokers or some journalists or whatever. Young people. Yeah. But one guy, one guy was like, he, he started recording and he started going, oh, like, to make people look at the screen. Because, like, the guys in front were just sat looking at their phone. And the guy was like, these guys are just on their phone tweeting. I also saw, did you see the video from, where, it was when Arsenal got back in the Champions League. And there was a guy, like, filming himself during the Champions League anthem. And he was, like, really getting like, really emotional. And some guy said, like, I was sat next to this guy. He was just on his phone the whole game. And there is that element of <laughs> what's said about football is almost bigger More than the football for some football people, which is that thing Juan Malio said years ago. It's like, it's not, it's like the salad has become more important than the steak, but it's like worse than that now. People think the salad is the steak. Sorry? Do you not get that? It's like <laughs> the, when, the side uh, dish. Uh, the side Malio dish is bigger. Yeah, yeah, he said it's one of his like mad things. But he said this like years ago when he was like managing in Spain. Like the side dish has become more important than, than like than the, main, the main thing. But people now think that side dish is the thing, you know, you, you look at Sky when United have lost and think this is going to be good, but you've not really taken much interest in how United have actually lost or what's going on. But it is more interesting and entertaining to see Roy Keane and Gary Neville argue about two different reasons why Man United are bad. 
We'll be back in a few minutes after an ad break. Speak to you shortly. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Let Me Talk is sponsored by you, the listeners. The best way to support the podcast is by subscribing via Memberful. You can pay as little as £2 per month, which gives you early access to all our podcasts ad-free, and they're packed with even more content. That gives you even more minutes of us to fill up your week. Subscribing is really easy, and the longer episodes will integrate seamlessly with your podcast app of choice, be it Spotify or Apple. Head over to lmtpod.com for more information on signing up and links to all of our socials. From the punditry point of view, from a podcast point of view, I quite often look at the analysis and go, ah, that I, that makes sense. I'm I when I look at the game and see how the game has unfolded, I don't have that grounded experience of of you know why players have moved where they have or kind of the the way in which City have broken down an opposition. And then I listen to you guys tell me and I go, ah, that's good, I'll steal that. Yeah. Well we we get to pick out clips in a game. So we're on the earpiece as well to the producers during the game. And we can say, watch the position of the fullback mm. for, for United, let's say. And then because 20 minutes has gone in the game, every time the ball is at the left-sided centre-back, the fullback comes in field. Probably copied that off a certain other blue side of Manchester. <laughs> but I'm just saying we can notice trends in the game. And obviously the inverted fullback is incredibly topical at the mm. moment. And everybody is seeing it and noticing it now. But if... City didn't start the inverted fullback and United were doing it or Brighton were doing it or Villa were doing it, would it be such a big deal? Mm. Well, this is what you say about... Um, it's uh, The player I always think of is Lewis Dunk um, at Brighton, mm. just holding the ball until somebody comes to him. Yeah. And then you said, well, you know, Diaz has started doing that. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's something we'll probably talk about another point. But that's, why, that's where I think De Zerbe, has kind of got something on other managers where like Pep's copying him. I think Pep has copied certain elements of like Deserby's football, whereas people normally copy Pep. And that's why another yet another reason why I think he's going to be the next city <laughs> manager. But but yeah, it's like you just you notice 
around kind of March time, it was like Diaz has just started putting his foot on the ball, waiting waited, for them to come yeah. to him. And like you said with the Edison example, if somebody goes, that's the whole thing with Brighton, isn't it? To a fault, really, because they had that with AEK Athens and West Ham. Like if if nobody goes, what do you do? Then they need another they need an, another tool. But yeah, City have got a million of those tools. But yeah, exactly. They you do get that influence. But I, I know what you mean. It's funny actually because normally the media narrative is it's City. So it kind of goes under the radar. I did a podcast recently with The Athletic and they were saying, oh, well, Rodri signed for 63 million, but I don't remember much hype around him. And I was like, well, there's never any hype around City signings unless it's Haaland because everyone's just kind of, they don't they don't know exactly who they are. Like Rodri had only been at Atletico Madrid for a year anyway. Nobody really knew who he was Took or what he was about. Win. But also yeah. everyone just thinks, oh, well, it's City. They'll, they'll probably get it right. Let's just like get on with our lives. And that's the kind of thing with City. But it is interesting, you're right. Like, because if, if City start doing something tactically, even if they don't necessarily start it, Pep might popularise it. But because it's Pep and because it's City, like you say, it is more like, Absolutely. okay, this is, this is worth noticing. And but like if Unai Emery does something at Villa, which is obviously like, he's, he's obviously doing really well there. But like if he starts doing something, it's it's harder to get that into the mainstream well, with, unless they're like top three. Absolutely. And with that example, like he bought Pau Torres in this season mm. to give him that flexibility in the build-up. So Pau Torres, you'll see probably throughout the season, we haven't seen it so much yet, but he moves from a centre-back position out to a left centre-back or even to a left wing-back. And that exposes him on the transition. Mm. But that's just Unai Emery just in the position of Pau Torres because he trusts him because he's worked with him before at a previous club. But changing the way that Villa build up, but I'm not seeing anything about that out there at the moment. Do you know what I mean? Nobody's yeah, nobody's brought that to light. So. Well, it's funny enough, you say, you know, I use that example of what's a Villa fan getting from me just saying, oh yeah, well, you know, Unai Emery's doing you know, well. Just yeah, nodding yeah. ahead. And like, anyone can tell you that. But that, that is that is the difference. And I haven't seen that mentioned anywhere. Yeah. But like, Normally what I would do if I was researching, I'd just go on The Athletic. I'd listen to the podcasts, the club-specific ones, when they still had them, or like read articles or go on the Q&A to see what people are talking about. But there is no substitute for watching their games and seeing what happens. Yeah. And, but also, like to go back to your question, can you watch a game and not analyse it? You can't, can you? Once you, you can't. Once you, know, once you know what's going on and understand it. But that's the thing, isn't it? It's, the, it's all this coaching stuff. We, when we play the media the media game at Man City recently and Naden played. And when Naden first played last year and he rang me the next day because I didn't play and he was like stunned by the level. Yeah. And we talked about it, didn't we, on one recently. He Being was like, good or bad? Oh, awful. <laughs> but ter- but terrible. But obviously he, he couldn't get his head around it because even when, like, when he's played kind of seven aside <laughs> since, it's kind of, it's it's decent. decent but standards. this is like so bad. But he said to us recently, he was like, no, I'm going to chuck myself under the bus here, because in that game, uh, a ball was pl- like one of the one of their midfielders just booted the ball. Must have been about forty feet into the air, coming down towards me. Nobody around me, and for some reason, I've tried to catch it here <laughs> instead of here, and just palmed it into the top corner. Oh yeah, that was last and year, wasn't it? That was that was the year before. That was the year before last, and I, I just like anybody watching that has just gone. Why the hell are you trying to catch that ball? That why not just take a step back and take it comfortably? But so he said. He said he, but he just... said to us, he was like, he, he was complaining to me about defending throw-ins. He was like, "Does nobody know how to defend a throw-in?" I was like, "Mate, I've never heard in my life how... about how to defend a throw-in. Like, no, there is no tactics at our level about throw-ins other than throw it down the line. Most yeah. of us can't and get take the flick on. Well, there was there, there was, was foul like, throws foul in the throws game. Throws everywhere. It, there was it, foul it... throws in the game. So it's like you're talking about Joe Bloggs on the sofa in Scunthorpe. Like we know nothing. <laughs> Like, so on podcasts, I, I always say like on a podcast, I'm, I'm assuming that 
all of us listening don't really appreciate the full work into what's going on. There might be the odd guy listening with like a coaching badge, yeah. not even an A license, but like a coaching a badge. Life, Who yeah. knows more than we do? But you've got to just assume fairly that everyone, ourselves included, don't really know. And that's why I go back to, you know, when Guardiola does say something, you can't then apply it to everything. You can't, yes. because, because of our own lack of understanding, you can't go, oh, I understand that. Maybe this applies to everything. Yes. Because it doesn't. It, ever, it needs to have everything in the right context. But that is a... That is right. Like these things, we just don't understand, and that's why there's so much stuff about City. Oh, it's just because of the money spent. Or yeah. Guardiola's just like checkbook manager, or whatever. It's like, do you like if you had the first idea about the details of what's gone into this performance, you would never say. You'd that. never say that, and but that's why that's going, why the narrative is that. Yeah, absolutely, and that's why going to a game, like I, you're always faced with two choices with games, right? If you're lucky enough to get a ticket, or I can get a ticket through work, or whatever. Great, I like to go if possible because um, seeing the game live, you see, you see more than you, you do. You can on see the whole yeah. pitch. So you can see what the goalkeeper's doing when the ball's at the other end of the pitch if you need to, if you want to. Or the other reason is when you're sat with the fans, I've found I've learned a lot by sitting in amongst the fans. So when when I played for Everton, we used to get tickets for the home games. We used to go occasionally, right? (laughs) In the family stand, sat in the family stand, safe. You know, safe area at Goodison. (laughs) Not really. (laughs) And, And you hear... Obviously, I'm not going to repeat what you hear because it's standard football fan behaviour. But the moments in which you hear those things get said off the back of an Everton player giving the ball away, not off the back of Everton player missing a chance. Okay, these key moments in games. It interests me, the timing of the reactions, Mm. because it gives me an indication about what the fans want. Okay, so there was one prolific example last season. I was there can't remember who they were playing against, but it was early on in the game. It was tight. It was tense. The ball was up in the air for, you know, the first 10 minutes. And an Everton player tried to bring the ball down on his chest and play, and he chested it out of play. He was on the touchline and prompted a fan close by to me to get up and give him a low rating. Yes. And it made me laugh because I was actually thinking in that moment, he's actually trying to do the right thing because he's recognised that the ball has been, you know, pinging across the, the pitch for the last yeah. 10 minutes. Somebody needs to put the foot on it and control the game. She's tried to do that. And it's like the depth of what you see. So that's why it kind of helps me. I'm an overthinker. I'm an overanalyzer. But I was like, that's it's not so much the reaction. I can accept that, whatever. I know what football fans it's are frustra- like. It's frustration but more it's than, yeah. the moment in which they get frustrated at what they're frustrated mm. about that they actually just, you know what I mean? We've got to then bring the game to them. Hmm. And maybe, and I'm not saying my, my mission is to change people's perception of football because football is played in many different ways. But it's just, it interests me, the reaction of fans in certain moments. The, and again, it's, the, it's the, the few things we know from our own kind of career, playing careers, you know, Sunday mornings <laughs> or whatever. But it's like, like you say, there's a guy who sits next to you at City who's just always saying, get it forward. It's like, yeah. do you watch City? Like, how often do they just get it forward? Yeah. Like, even when they, even when they can't, they don't always do it. For years, they've just not counterattacked so they can maintain control of the game. But again, Nadam was saying he went to the Arsenal game and just being in with the, the crowds and like that being an eye-opener because the, all the stuff like push out or close him down or whatever's like, they're not, not supposed the to one, close. Yeah, they're yeah. Ones clearly not supposed to close The, the, the one that always gets me, and it, like, it's, there's the, so many times you see a defender with a 2-1-1 um, like defending the situation and fans will shout for the defender to close the ball. And I'm like, mate, if if he steps up, <laughs> like all that space that's in behind him, they'll just use it. Like it'll just it'll just go straight past him. He can't just step up. And still at the same time, you're hearing oh, like, put him under pressure, get him like step up, step out. 
Yeah. It's the same at the end of the North London derby. Spurs v Tottenham recently, two all. Arsenal were on top for the last 10 minutes of the game, but Spurs were vulnerable on the counter-attack, as in a danger to Arsenal yeah. on the counter-attack. Arsenal trying to find the winner. And all you can hear in the stadium is the Arsenal fans screaming for, it was Odegaard dropping deep, it was Jorginho ended up finishing the game in that holding mid-position to, to just boot it in the box. And you're like, hang on a minute, right? They haven't got a striker in the box that's going to win the header. Mm. So why would they kick the ball long and deviate from what their yeah. style is to try and win the game in that way? Because it's going to be a one in a million chance that the ball's going to drop in the right area for somebody in the box to finish mm. off a long ball. So they're still trying to play. And, I bet and the that, fans are getting I, yeah. frustrated, you can hear it. And I bet in that situation, Spurs are more than happy to defend that. Because, of course they are. Because you know, we'll head it away. The frustration builds and you, you wonder why players time-wasting games mm. just to build the, you know, the, the nerves inside the stadium. Is that... Part of it. Of I mean, I, I suppose it's... I never really thought about it like that. Do you mm. know what I mean? I never thought of it. If you know as a player, right? And Needham will... I'm sure he'll, he'll agree. The if you know as Nadeem. a player... Sorry, I was my <laughs> As a player, if you know that there's a particularly hostile crowd and the context around the game, you can recognise that as well. You can take this thing out of the game. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it, doesn't take a genius to, to That's see that. That's what I was thinking in terms of taking sting out, but when he said like to kind of build the, the tension and the nerves, also in the context of, you know, if maybe Arsenal were to get impatient, which is, you know, what happened with City a few years ago, and every now and again, put the ball in the box, they head it away and then they break. But is that, they're an element of, you raise the tension in the stadium to the point where it might throw off the home team, the favourites. What you reckon? Possibly. I, I think it works because I because always I always use the example of that Wolves game a few years ago when City won 1-0 at the Etihad. But the final five, six minutes, they spent it trying to counter-attack and trying to score the, the second goal. And Guardiola afterwards was like, we need just need to be yeah, calm and, slow, and yeah. slow it down. If that was that was the first season when crowds were back in the stadiums, if that was behind closed doors, City would have slowed that down. And the fact that you've got 40 odd thousand people going, go on, we can kill it here. I think and changes crowds, it, it changes crowds, your mind. Crowds but, do get pissed off with like refereeing decisions as well mm. and stuff. And if I suppose if the away team are taking extra time, then and it does add to, to the frustration of the crowd, and then that trans, transmits to the players. Yeah, and that's why on the pitch, a player needs to be competent, playing a certain mm. way. The manager has positionally aware. You need to obviously find a result somewhere, and then things come into play. I saw this at Brentford v Everton last weekend, one all. Brentford give away probably the cheapest corner you'll ever see in the Premier League this season. Everton score from the corner. Mm -hmm. That's where momentum shifts in game, crowd changes, and it's like in those moments, as a defender, if you're defending that situation, you've got to be thinking two steps ahead. Yeah. yeah. Do I really need to concede a corner here, put mm -hmm. it out for three? If I was a manager, which maybe one day, or coach, whatever, I'm like, don't give away cheap corners. Put the ball out for throw, and when you clear the ball, you've got to clear the back line, put enough height on it. If you're kicking it direct from kickoff, make sure it doesn't go out for a goal kick. Make sure it goes out for a throw. Just base like things which I don't know. I don't know. I'm maybe cynical to think that only I think that way or other people in that situation do. But like that, it's got to be basic. You've got to eliminate risks. Mm. Is there that's, a bigger stress than giving away a cheap corner? Because you just think there isn't. Yeah, well, that's, that's, now. that's funny because I do you remember. I, I don't know why this memory's just come back into my head. I can't, <laughs> remember, I can't remember who the goalkeeper was, but do you remember um, teams would give away corners Delap. intentionally against Stoke because of Rory that, that, throwing? That video's been on my Twitter <laughs> yeah. recently. No, I can't remember. Bo was my hill, maybe. Yeah, he just kind he, of had it in his feet. He looked around and he's I like, thought, shit, and he just kicked it for corner instead. Instead of a throw, fantastic. Proper Barclays, that is. <laughs> 
That's it for this episode of Let Me Talk Details. Sam, there was more from this episode for members. What extra bits have members got? Yeah, loads more. I, the blanket first question was, does coaching and moving into coaching affect how you analyse games? But it just spiralled into so much more, <laughs> so much more. Now remember, this was the free version of Let Me Talk. If you'd like longer ad-free versions earlier, then all the useful links are in the episode description and over on lmtpod.com. If you want to ask us a question or send us a voice note on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, just search for LMTPod. Or if you want to send us an email, hello at lmtpod.com is the way to do it. All the useful links are in the episode description and over on lmtpod.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.